0: Welcome to In Conversation with Lyndon Terracini, the podcast where we meet the extraordinary talents, both on stage and off, working at Opera Australia. These conversations were all originally filmed for our streaming service, OATV. You can find more online at tv.opera.org.au, as well as full productions and behind the scenes footage. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to OATV. And my very special guest today, who's known to all of you, I'm sure, is the Honourable Bronwyn Bishop. Bronwyn, welcome. Well, I I feel as though I should call you (laughs) (laughs) ma'am. I don't
1: um, think so. I think I actually answered, I you.
0: (laughs) Well, welcome to OATV. Thank you. Look, I thought we'd start with um, your early life, Mm -hmm. uh, because um, music was in your house.
1: Absolutely. And in
0: fact, um, your mother was a singer. Indeed she was. Do you want to talk a little about, about that and having a, a mother that was an opera singer? It must have been an extraordinary thing in those days.
1: Quite different from everybody else yeah. because nobody else's mother actually worked. Of course. And, of course, yeah. as a young child I would go to recitals yeah. with her. But, yes, yeah, she um, she was a, a dramatic soprano mm. with a very big voice. Mm. And uh, she um, sang with the um, Australian opera run by J.C. Williamson yeah, in those yeah. days.
0: Yeah,
1: She would sing recitals on the ABC, she'd sing the Messiah, all those sorts of things. And our our house was always full of music. Yeah. Because my dad was also um, musical in that he, I think he played the trumpet originally. Not really? I think that's how they met, actually. Uh Yeah. But it was always full of people who were musical parties. And I think I made my singing debut on radio when I was eight.
0: (laughs) Because you've done a few shows yourself. I have. Yeah, I have.
1: Yeah. I've done The Sound of Music and yeah. I've done Grease. Yeah. i played the headmistress.
0: <laughs> and I think you famously sang a duet with Tony Abbott.
1: Indeed, we did. <laughs> we did a few, actually. But, uh, really? Uh, we did it for charity, I might yeah, add. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yes. yes. Yeah. But it was quite fun. Yeah. I think the one we liked best was We're a Couple of Swells. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So obviously that's where your love of music came from, from from your from your parents. Yes. And uh, you've been a, a great supporter of Opera Australia for many years. Yes. And you come to lots of performances. Yes. Um, but it must have been, uh, well, you know, a peculiar thing in those days to have a mother as an opera singer. I mean, yes. I mean, even when I was growing up as a kid, I didn't know anyone who was an opera singer. So it's it, and I grew up on the North Shore yep. in D. Y. Um, so it must have been extraordinary for for someone to have a a mother who, who was a professional...
1: That's right. ..opera singer. It was, was quite different. As I said, nobody else's mother worked. Mm. I, but for me, it was normal. Yeah. And uh, even when she stopped performing, um, she was very much involved um, in music club work and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. I think even in even in the early days of being involved in music club, she was still performing because I used to be asked to present the flowers. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs>
0: Well then of course you decided, uh, you studied and became a solicitor, a lawyer and decided to go into politics mm. and uh, I think you were the longest serving um, a conservative uh, speaker in the house.
1: No, I'm the longest serving female member of the house uh-huh. and I'm the only person, male or female, to have been a senator, mm. a member, a minister and speaker of the house.
0: That, that too, and I guess, you know, this is sort of um, uh, something that maybe comes from your mother. That must have been an extraordinary thing to be able to do those things in in those days. I mean, now, of course, um, it's a very different world, but yeah. to be a pioneering woman like that must have been extraordinary. Do you want to talk, talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, well, it, I always knew, I set out when I was 17, I, I wanted to be a Member of Parliament mm-hmm. because I... History had taught me that individuals can make a difference, Mm. but it can be for good or for evil.
0: Mm.
1: So Winston Churchill was an influence for good and Mm. Adolf Hitler was an influence for evil.
0: Yeah.
1: So I wanted to have a a say in what happened to my country. Mm. And that's the reason I did law, because I thought if I wanted to write the laws of the land, it's probably a good idea to understand them. (laughs) So... I think law is a good... I'm not saying everyone needs to be a lawyer, but I am saying that it's a very uh, good background Teaches you yeah, yeah. to think well. Mm. Uh, and so uh, I then um, joined the Liberal Party when I was 18, I think, mm-hmm. and I knew that I would have the opportunity. There, mm. would, there weren't any women, really. No, uh, exactly. In the, in, the, in the lower house in the federal parliament for 20 years, there were no women at all. Mm. And I just believed that I had the opportunity and it could be done. Mm. So I just solidly worked my way up. Mm. I, I stood for pre-selection a number of times. Mm. I do remember on the first occasion I was asked who was going to look after the children. Mm. Um, then, <laughs> then I subsequently asked a question when I first stood for the Senate. It said, um, Mrs Bishop, New South Wales has never had a woman senator. Why should they have one now? So my reply was um, because you want the best person for the job, and that's exactly. me. Yeah. But they chose a bloke. <laughs> <laughs> so I then sort of continued up, and mm. I, I I sort of took positions in the party, vice president, and so on, and then I stood for president. Mm. And I have to say that was the toughest fight mm. I've ever been in in mm. my life. It sure. was a healthy fight. There were three people in it, two blokes and me. I mm. had to win on primaries and they were swapping preferences. Oh, gee. So that really was a big, tough fight. Mm. But I think what swung it was I'd put a lot of work into building the party in the west of Sydney because I mm-hmm. knew we had to see people who lived and cared about their community being the candidates, not yeah. shipping in some candidate. Mm. And two people out there wrote a, a remarkable letter handwritten Mm. and it said dear state councillor we're just a couple of nobodies out here where the rubber hits the road and this is why we're voting for Bronwyn Bishop and it went out to the voters and I won on primaries. That's
0: extraordinary to do that but it must have been very lonely being the only woman I mean it's.
1: No it wasn't and in that I suppose in law school when I went to law school Mm. there were we were outnumbered, girls mm. by blokes yeah. by a huge number. Mm. Um, that's changed now, of course. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. are more girls than there are blokes. Really? Uh, so I'd, I'd lived in that milieu mm. sort of all my life, if you like, all mm. my late teenage life and onwards. And I just knew that it was it was there for women to do. Mm. And then it was my responsibility to make sure that it that others did come yeah. up as well.
0: But you've never made a big fuss about being, you know, the only woman or being a pioneer, which clearly you were. Mm. Um, you simply went about doing your job and did it incredibly successfully, I might say. Um, you. But, you know, that's as I said, it must have been very, very difficult being on your own. And
1: well, you had to be firm and know what you're about. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you an example after I won that presidency. Mm. Uh, one of the chaps who stood against me came up and said, Well, look, now that's over, I think we should be doing this, 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 and this. And I listened to what he had to say and I said, Well, let me make it clear. I won and mm. you lost. Mm. Therefore, we will be doing it this way. <laughs> I would love to have you on board and part of the team. Yeah. If you don't feel you can be, well, I'll understand, mm. but this is the way it's going to be. Mm. And it was the way it was. I'm and sure he it came was. aboard.
0: Yeah. So um, you became a minister in the Howard mm-hmm. government mm-hmm. and in a portfolio that people wouldn't expect, I guess, in defence yes. and so on. Um, how was that? I mean, because, you know, it's, being a minister, and i I guess, the only woman... Uh, there
1: were three, uh, four women. Mm-hmm. There was only room for four. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. But nevertheless, it must have been very, very difficult in that area. Um,
1: I had... Um, uh, I was the first uh, Defence Industry Minister mm. that Australia had. So I had Defence Industry, Science and Personnel. Yeah. And
0: it's a big portfolio. It
1: was a very big portfolio, and we needed to um, increase our readiness, uh, quite frankly. Mm. And I remember one of the first things I had to do in that job was to go out and see three competing. Vehicles for a particular contract called uh-huh. the Bushmaster contract, and the three were ADI. There was one from British Aerospace, and there was one sort of consortium of people uh-huh. uh, who had come together for the three vehicles. And I watched them go through their paces, and uh-huh. I had my ADC there with me. And um, I said afterwards, "Well, that was very interesting." I said, "No, I I I, I take it that these vehicles are able to withstand." Uh, going over a mine and withstanding that blast. Oh, no, Minister, no. I said, really? Uh, why are we buying these vehicles? And my ADC piped up and he said, they're just taxis, ma'am. They're just taxis. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, well, this won't do. Yeah. So I think we'll change the specification. So yes. we, <laughs> we did go away and change the specification. And um, it, it can, of course, now withstand that blast and uh, we did the same with the putting an automatic uh, gearbox into it so the long and the short of it was that it really made me understand how important it is for a minister to know precisely Mm -hmm. in whatever portfolio in in this case in defence what kit's for what it can do what its aim is how it fits in Mm. uh, and the purpose it that it's really going to be for. Mm. And uh, that Bushmaster has been a fantastic vehicle, mm. fantastic, mm. and saved many lives yeah. uh, in, uh, in the Middle East. So it, it really reinforced me, and then it made me try out uh, all the various forms of kit. So I knew what what, what I was being asked to be making decisions about. Mm. So when I received letters from naval personnel telling me how bad the submarines or what problems there mm. were in the submarines. So I thought, well, the only way to deal with that is to um, spend 24 hours on a submarine a- at the depths of mm-hmm. the ocean and see whether or not they're true or not and then mm. what to do about it. And So that's what I did there too. And Um, And then I got to fly an F-111.
0: Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and what were the children doing? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, by this stage they were at university, so that was fine. But um,
0: look, at one stage there, there was um, a very big push for you to be the first uh, woman Prime Minister of Australia. Um, And look, this is probably a sensitive question, but um, do you think you were disadvantaged by being a woman? Do you think that um, it cost you being the Prime Minister?
1: No, I think I—I I think I made a wrong decision not standing mm-hmm. uh, when John Hewson pulled the spill. Mm-hmm. Um, there was enormous support. It was—it was so extraordinary that polls that were being published said I was the preferred prime minister yeah. over both John Hewson and Paul Keating. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. So, no, I don't think I was disadvantaged by being mm-hmm. a woman because what they were looking for was um, someone to lead them in the direction they felt the country should be going. Mm, mm. And that was the belief. Now, in politics, the most important thing you have to do is learn to count. <laughs> um, and, and the counting was going quite well. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but I was up in the Northern Territory. Mm. I'd uh, just been into some Aboriginal communities mm. And I was sitting in the Sen- Senator Tambling's office when a call came through and said uh, that somebody had published, I uh, had shown John Hewson on television, his low ratings and he would called a spill. Mm-hmm. So Alexander Downer then said he would stand. Mm-hmm. And I was on a plane uh, coming back and yeah. I was stepped off the plane, there's a huge press mob. Mm. What are you going to do? Mm. And I decided at that point that I was really going to be ready a few months later. Mm. Um, indeed, but I decided, I said I'd back down her. I couldn't mm. back Houston. Mm. So I said I'd back down her. Uh, mm. That's when I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. But uh, that didn't work out and mm. John Howard came back yeah. and uh, I went on to become a minister yeah. and we, yeah. we did some Good stuff there. and yeah, so, absolutely. Yes.
0: So um, we I spoke. We spoke about your early life with um, music. How how is that that upbringing and your involvement in music and your great love of music? I have to say, mm. particularly opera. Mm. How how did that influence your life in politics, and how did it you know shape your life really? Um,
1: well, I, I suppose because I'd grown up with a mother who actually worked, mm. it wasn't strange for me to think that that's the way things should be. Mm and uh, the other thing of course was it gave me um, an understanding of human behavior mm. i think because mm. jokingly i've said sometimes when people said had to stand the rough and tumble of politics mm. i said i did my training in the arts <laughs> yeah well exactly <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's, true. it's it's understanding that uh, the world is full of stars mm. Uh, from a, a singing point of view, I learned singing, yeah um, and most importantly, I learned how to breathe yeah. and all those things, and mm. quite honestly, although uh, I use that training for speaking yeah um, it it's, it's stood me in very good stead. Mm, mm, mm. mm
0: but I mean philosophically you know I've seen you at the opera and I know how much you care about it mm. I know how you follow singers mm. and you follow their entire careers from yes. the, when they're very young and so yes. on um, but I'm interested I guess to see on a daily basis when you were in the rough and tumble of, of politics whether that, um, that experience and that love of music um, shapes decisions that you make or, or shapes a particular direction you might go in
1: Well when you need uh, to uh, say time out for a short time mm. and and politics is very fast moving yeah uh, you can walk in on a day and think you're gonna have X Y and Z happen and there's nothing like that mm. and things mm. are and you've got to think quickly you mm. can be called upon to speak uh, instantly mm. um, when somebody just needs to fill a gap or whatever so it's and then of course uh, Question time when we're in opposition you know the one point of order I regret not calling, but that's another story <laughs> but uh, to listen to classical music, mm. and I guess we do listen mainly to music that comes from the classical period. Yeah. When yeah. I say that, mm. um, it it's it gives you that um, lift. Mm. You you feel ah yes, and it absorb you absorb it. Mm. That mm. gives you that sort of good feeling, and then yeah. you can push on.
0: So I guess in in politics, when you when you had that. You felt that you could, mm. well, go another round.
1: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So now you um, you commentate on television. It's another <laughs> career, yes. really, because and you keep you know having these different careers. How have you found that?
1: Well, terrific. I I left the parliament on the 9th of May two thousand sixteen, mm-hmm. and I was very fortunate to um, be engaged to join Sky News mm. about. Ten days later, I think. Fantastic. And uh, I must say, uh, Sky is very important, I think, mm. in the life of commentary yeah, because it gives the opportunity for strong points of view mm. to be given uh, which just don't appear anywhere else. Yeah. And it's very important that that happen. Yeah. So it's a great delight for me to work with Paul Murray, who mm. I think is fantastic, mm. and uh, with Gary Hargrave, who I knew in the Parliament, of course.
0: uh uh-huh. But you, you seem to have, have, have taken to it like a duck to water. I mean, it, it seems very natural for you when, you when you're commentating.
1: Well, if I do go back a long while ago, I did actually make a television series. Oh,
0: really? <laughs> oh, you know, it comes out.
1: <laughs> it was in the 60s. Yeah. Um, it was in um, the late 60s and it was called Divorce Court. Oh, really? And I played a solicitor.
0: Oh, fantastic.
1: Uh, it was Miss Archer.
0: So it was probably like a, um, a precursor for Judge Judy.
1: Well, it was it was a bit because yeah. we had a commentator at the back, actually. Yeah. And it was started by an ABC producer and he mm-hmm. decided to do this and we did it for Channel mm-hmm. 9. And it was based on actual cases which he would find and then we'd write it up as a script. And the way I got the, the job was that my next-door neighbour was acting for him mm-hmm. and they said... Um, I was asked, would I make the pilot? Mm. So I said, fine, that's all right. So I did the pilot and I thought, that's the end of that. And then yeah. they said, well, we're actually lucky to be in it. <laughs> so that's how I got to be in it.
0: Oh, that's interesting, yeah.
1: And, um, and then th- that first series, I stopped making it when I was too pregnant to be Miss Archer <laughs> anymore. And so Angela always says she made her debut in utero. <laughs> <laughs> But interestingly enough, the reruns ran and ran and ran. Um, So she actually saw it. Oh, lovely. But black and white, and and then we did a second series. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Well obviously it stood you in good stead because I said when I see you on television it's, it's second nature to you, it's well, fantastic. Well thank you very much. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well Bronwyn it's been lovely having you here today and to hear you know some interesting things about your life that I'm sure our viewers uh, didn't know about. And uh, already you've had an extraordinary life and it keeps going on with new things all the time so congratulations on all your success thank you for support of music in general but particularly for opera australia and uh, we look forward to seeing you in the theater again soon
1: thank you very much Lyndon. and i just must say i think that the opera company is so important for australia and for young singers and music uh, without music where would we be hmm. that's true thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to In Conversation with Lyndon Terracini. We hope you've enjoyed the chat and we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. That way, you'll get each new episode as they're released. We also hope to see you in the theatre in the not-too-distant future. And you can stay up to date with all we've got going on at opera.org.au.